so excited to to be able to worship with you. I, I wrote it down on my notes there, and I said there, such a privilege it is to worship with the saints on this day. Such a privilege it is. And as I as I sat there in the front, I realized actually it's more than a privilege. It's 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 a wonder. It's an amazing. It's an amazement that we get to stand here this morning and remember what our King came to do. We remember that Jesus came to do one thing. He had one job. He did so many other jobs along the way, but he knew that he came to do the Father's will. And the Father's will was that he was to lay his life down so that we could come into a relationship with him, so that we could understand what the full version and the fullness of salvation really is, that we could come into him, come to him, and be known by him. And he had sacrificed himself for us, for me, for you. He did it for every individual. He didn't do it for a big group. He didn't do it for a big crowd. He did it for every individual that would come to know him. He gave us the salvation. We celebrate today the fulfillment of those promises that we saw in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in Bible. We see the fulfillment of it all happening on this day in history. Today we celebrate the risen King. Amen. So this song always comes up in my mind when I think about this time. It's the song Forever by Bethel. It says, His body on the cross, His blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon him. One final breath he gave as heaven looked away. The Son of God was laid in darkness. A battle in the grave, the war on death was waged. The power of hell forever broken. The ground began to shake. The stone was rolled away. His perfect love could not be overcome. Now death, where is your sting? Our resurrected king has rendered you defeated. We've had the privilege of um, going through a series called There is a Cloud. Um, and that um, series comes out of this, this part of scripture, 1 Kings 18, 41 to 46. I wonder if you have your Bibles, if you have your app, if you have uh, anything that you read uh, the word on, that you would open up to 1 Kings 18, 41 to 46. Bit of a different scripture for Easter Sunday. We would normally go through the resurrection. We would normally look at that type of a scripture. But I believe that there's messages in here that comes through the resurrection. And so let's just have a look at the scripture together. 1 Kings 18, 41 to 46. I've got it paraphrased up there. So if I read and you're kind of like, ooh, what's going on? It's paraphrased. It says... Yeah, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed up to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and he put his face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, Hitch up your chariots and go down before the rain, can, rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to, Je 
off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into the belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. I want to take a couple of points out of there, but I want to get to the the, the actual um, preach a little bit later, if I can put it that way. So today the, the message is, there is a cloud and rain forever. And I just want to equate a little bit of what I see in this story to what Jesus came to do for us through giving us life-giving rain. So in this story, there'd been a, a, a drought. I nearly said a flood. There'd been a drought for three and a half years. They hadn't seen a cloud. They didn't know what a cloud. They didn't know what rain was in the land. And this was now Jesus' provision of rain for the country, coming to bring restoration, coming to bring um, refreshment, coming to bring the opportunity of life to the people of Israel, to this nation. And just in it, I'll take two points out quickly. Sarah, Sarah spoke on this a couple of weeks ago, and she said, perhaps today. Perhaps today. It wasn't perhaps today. It was definitely today that Jesus came to set in place a covenant with us. It wasn't perhaps today. Yes, I know we live in the hope. But perhaps today, Jesus wants you to recognize this revelation. Have to have a revelation of what this cross meant, but also of what Jesus is and what Jesus did when he came out of that grave. A lot of the, the symbolism around Easter, a lot of the symbolism around Christ, Christian faith is the cross. I love the symbol of, the, of a grave open with a stone rolled away, because that reveals to me the victory of what Jesus came to do. So there is the, the sacrifice that he had to do at, at the cross. He had to go through. He couldn't rise again. He couldn't be resurrected again if he didn't go through the death. But in that direction is where we find our life, where we find our life in him. So perhaps today God is saying to you, recognize what I did. Understand the fullness of that cross. James spoke about watching the passion of Christ. I want to watch that next video. I want to watch that next movie. I don't know if Mel Gibson's going to make the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ where he comes and he reveals himself to man and says, it is completely finished. It was finished at the cross. Now it is completely finished. You have the opportunity to come into a relationship with me, the one living God. The other thing I want to take out of this piece of scripture, and if you move to the next slide, is this. I know as a golfer, if I look out my window on a, on a, on a Sunday afternoon and I see that first picture on, on your left, I'm quite confident that the game will go ahead. I know if you're organizing a picnic, if you're organizing anything, you see that cloud on the left-hand side, you're organizing a, a fun run, you're organizing a movie night, whatever it might be, and you see that picture on your left. You're going to be a lot more confident in your ability to do what you're planning than if you see the picture on your right. If I see the picture on my right, I turn around and go back to bed very, very quickly, and I don't head out towards the golf course. But what is it that God has to reveal to you for you to understand that he's coming with the rain? Does he, he for this nation, for this time, it was that small little fist. It was a small little fist-sized cloud that he showed um, Ahab, that he showed Elijah. And that was the promise that there was rain coming. For all of us, or so maybe not all of us, some of us, we're looking for that storm. We're looking for the storm on the right where Jesus says, now you can see now you can see that I'm really coming. The rain's coming. We're waiting for that. Some people need to look at that fist-sized cloud and say, God, we recognize what you did. I want to 
I want to go to a point that um, those clouds on the right-hand side, that was what the storm was like for the disciples on the day that Jesus was put in front of the trial. With the day that Jesus was hung on the cross, the disciples must have been feeling like they were in that storm. They must have been feeling like everything was breaking down around them. That this king, the person that they saw as savior, was on the cross, dead. He had made promises to them about going to prepare mansions. So he, they had a promise to, to, to live on. But still, I think their world was in a storm like that. Sometimes it's the storms that make us appreciate the good days, appreciate the victories, appreciate the things that we are able to do. And if we look at a storm, I know when I sit on a, on my, outside my house, so we, we in Pretoria East, we've got the opportunity, it's a crazy thing, you can actually see the storm coming. You can see it rolling in over Menland Shopping Center, and you can start hearing the rain over the road, and then it comes to our house. And you can kind of see the line coming up, up the, up the hill. I'm just going to say that for me, not a little bit of a geography lesson, but as I see it, there's three stages to every storm. Um, geographers might take me and say that there's actually 175 stages to a storm. Um, but for me, there's three stages to a storm. There's the build-up to the storm. Like I said, I can see that cloud rolling in. It's the build-up. There's no rain, there's no thunder, there's no everything, but I can see clearly that the clouds are building up and there's rain on the horizon. The second phase of every storm for me is the actual storm. When it's over us, when it's overhead, when the, the kids are running for um, tables to hide under from the, the lightning and the thunder, where we're running around trying to close all the windows, where the wind is blowing, when the rain is coming down and pouring and pouring and pouring and filling up our pool that hasn't been filled up for a couple of weeks and saying to us that you're in the storm, that you're experiencing the, the storm. Storms can be, like I said, both good and bad. Then the third phase of the storm for me is that afterwards where you smell that lovely rain that has been, the rain coming off the tar, you see the steam rising off the, the roads, you see the, the greenness in the grass, you have that smell, you walk up to your pool and it's full and you are very grateful because you don't have to use your, um, your sprinkler to, to fill the water up and uh, break all the rules of the water restrictions and all that type of thing. So there's the third element, and we can look at the third element of that storm and either be shaken, completely broken and distraught about what we've just been through and what we've had to live through, and that's okay. We can also have gone through a storm and realize that things around us have changed. The season is changing now, so summer is arriving, and the, the green grass is going to pull through, and we can be refreshed from the fact that we don't have to, to be in that storm anymore and fight that storm. So in these three phases, I look at the life of Jesus, and I say, what are these three phases like in comparison to the life of Jesus? So phase one, the build-up of the storm, I see as the hope of rain, the hope of a savior, the hope of someone coming to make changes in this world. Phase two, I see as the experience, but I also see as the savior coming. So this is when Jesus was man and God on earth. There were storms that took place. People's mindsets were, sh were shifted. People's ways of living was um, uh, challenged. The yeah, people who thought they, they stood in right standing with God were challenged on the way that they st stood right with God. The storm came and it was disruptive. 
But the, the storm also came so that we could know who he was and understand his character and understand the love that he had for us and has for us. And then the third phase is the effect of the storm. And this is where I want to focus a little bit on today is the effect of the storm. So the aftermath or the realization of salvation or in other words, who the Savior was and who he is to us now. In the National Geographic um, website, they explain rain as this. It says, rain is liquid precipitation. And this is probably the guys that will give me the 175 phases of water, of rain. Rain is liquid precipitation, water falling from the sky. Raindrops fall to earth with clouds when clouds become saturated or filled with water droplets. So if you didn't learn anything else today, you at least learned what rain is. It's a pleasure. Human life depends on rain. Rain is the source of fresh water. For many cultures where rivers, lakes, or aquifers are not easily accessible. So human life depends on rain. Rain is the source of fresh water. And then it says here at the end, it says, like I'm building up as if this is a a Bible verse. (laughs) It says, Rain makes modern life possible by providing water for agriculture, industry, hygiene, and then one that's close to all of our hearts, electrical energy. (laughs) Government groups and individuals collect rain for personal and public use. So let's have a look at the aftermath of rain, the use of rain. I want to just maybe backtrack so that you can all jump onto the same page as me because I when I was preparing this, I was a little bit like Ahab. I was running. Ooh, nothing. <laughs> running. Ooh, nothing. Seven times I had to run to my laptop. To God. I had to know where to look. What a week it was. It's just a celebration of, of the king um, and a lot else that's going on um, within the world of uh, the Stuarts. But it says here that rain is what? Life depends on rain. In 1 Peter 1 verse 3, Sarah reminded us the other day of this verse. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So water is... All life depends on it. I'm saying that all life depends on Jesus. All life depends on our King and what he did at the cross and what he did at the grave. All life depends on who he is. talks about a living hope. I'll just remind you quickly about what Craig said um, a week ago. He said that hope remembers. Hope speaks. Hope waits. My favorite, hope sings. And then hope looks to eternity. Jesus gave us this living hope. And we need to live with a hope that remembers. We need to live with a hope that speaks and sings that what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and in the grave. We have to speak or have a hope that waits on our king and doesn't force him to do what he, what we want him to do, but allow him to work in us as he works. I feel God is working. He's pinpricking some things in people's hearts. 
He's uh, making them aware of where they stand um, again. He's saying, as much as the world, and we spoke a little bit to Craig, and he says Europe has forgotten about Easter. Europe um, didn't have a public holiday on Friday. Maybe they have it at a different stage, or I don't know what happens there. But no public holiday on Friday. People going about their work while we here are celebrating our king. How sad is that? Our hope needs to remember the king and what he did. Our hope needs to sing it loudly. So these people who keep forgetting about this king, don't forget about him. Because they need to know who he is. So life depends on rain. So I said that, um, well, not me, um, the National Geographic uh, website organization said, life, modern life is made possible by providing water for agriculture. So I'm just going to use a little bit of poetic license. No, I'm not going to tell you a poem. I'm not going to stand up here and wax lyrically. Um, what I am going to do is I'm just going to use what, what the um, National Geographic says about rain to just describe my king. Um, I hope it's okay. I'm not uh, taking away from who he is. I'm trying to add to who he is and what he has done. So my king provides me with food. He provides me with the right thing to eat. It says in John 6, 35, it says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. And those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of one who sent me. In his death and in his resurrection, he was doing the will of his father. And the will of his father was that you would come to know him. That you would eat with him. That you, in the breaking of the bread, would remember who this king is. And that you would devote yourself once again to the purpose that he has called you to. We've done a series on purpose. This bread of life gives us that purpose. This bread of life gives us an open invitation to come and eat with him and to eat with those who are eating at his table. He says he will never drive people away. Not, doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what your past is. Doesn't matter where you've come from or what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you did this morning. It does not matter. He says that you can come to him. He says that you can come into his kingdom and eat at his table and eat of him. And you will not go hungry or thirsty. That you will be continually fed in a spiritual sense. The second thing that it talks about is industry. And again, this poetic license that you have when you get given the mic, it says, from an industry point of view, I talk about construction, how we build. I'm just amazed that I could have actually just got up here this morning and just said amen with what uh, Kanisa shared, with what uh, the words of the song was. I even, uh, for being rude um, and doing things that pastors shouldn't do, we took a, I took a picture in church. <laughs> took a picture in church just reading these words and it says, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. I just felt that all these songs spoke about who this king is, about what he has done, 
And yes, I know it's a Sunday that we are celebrating this. And yes, so it should tie all tie in. But I'm just amazed that some of the words in those songs spoke about building and how we build. And they're going to build on him. And I'm going to stand firm on his love. In Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, it says this. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a true, a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place, dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Two elements of building is that we have to build with him. We have to engage with him. James spoke about the curtain being torn and us torn. Kanisa also mentioned that we can come into relationship with him. We can come into the Holy of Holies. We can build with our king. It's something we need to do. We need to go into his court and say, Lord, here I am, Father. Use me. Here I am. Tell me what you're doing. Here I am, Father. Love me. I need your love. Here I am, Father. Show me more of who you are. We can build with him. And building doesn't look the same for everyone. So if you drive down the street, you have a look at buildings. And every building is different. Small, big, large, medium. Every building is, is different. Just as he builds differently with every one of us. He builds into our lives. And the other, yeah, so the other element is that we build with him. And he then builds with us. He wants to make his dwelling place within you through his spirit. He wants to be able to guard, direct, and encourage you. He wants to be able to give you a future. He wants to be able to give you a hope that you cling on to. He wants to, you to remember that he is your Lord and that with him you can overcome much. A touchy subject in South Africa is my third point. So electricity, energy. I try to change it there to energy to make it not so... So harsh on everyone. <laughs> Not so sensitive, and so we can kind of move on. So, energy, how we are charged. Hebrews 12, 2, 14 to 15 says this. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. His power that was gained through the resurrection, or through his resurrection, is over death. It's over the biggest thing that we all fear, that we all worry about, that all, that sometimes consumes us, besides tax and finance and, and, and. But it's one of those big things. But also, one of the big things is spiritual death, not being aware of who he is. His resurrection allowed us to see who he really is, allowed us to be able to be charged by his power, be encouraged by his power, his victory at the, at the cross, his victory of the, at the grave. We are charged by him. And then the last point is hygiene. Oh, Richard, where are you going with hygiene? Yo. So hygiene, how we wash, or how we are washed, how we have been washed. We sang about the blood of Jesus. We sang about how he came 
to wash us, our sins away, to clear us of our, all our debt so that we can. We spoke about it. Just a repeating of the, the topic of we wash through the blood of Christ. Hebrews 9.14 says this, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? We are washed so that we can come into his temple. We are washed so that we may be clean. We are washed from our sins so that our conscience doesn't constantly drag us down into the dirt. The blood has released us from that mud that constantly wants to to pull us down and make us something that we're not. In Christ, we are something so much greater. In Christ, we are something so much bigger. But that mud wants to pull us down, keep us pulling down. But I read this verse and I say, cleanses our consciences from acts that lead to, the good, lead to death. His blood is what we celebrate today or this weekend. His blood, his resurrection is what we celebrate. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud, that was just thrown in there. Just notice that now. Such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I just love that verse. I think there's so much. You could probably have a series on that verse alone. But just two elements of it that really stick out to me just in relation to who this Jesus is. It says here, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us run with perseverance. And it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. What does that fixing our eyes on Jesus mean? It means fixing our eyes on his birth when we celebrate his birth. Fixing our eyes on what he did when he walked this earth. Fixing our eyes on the cross and fixing our eyes on the victory of the grave. If we're constantly fixing our eyes on him and those elements of who he is and who he was to us, for us, I I believe that perseverance becomes a little bit easier. I believe that the race that we run becomes a little bit easier because we know why we run it. And then the last thing is consider him who endured such opposition again. So that we will not grow weary or lose heart. It says, consider him. So that's again, fixing our eyes on our king. Today we get the opportunity to sit down and say that we celebrate the two things. The cross and the, and the grave, the empty grave. We get to celebrate who he is. But we also get to celebrate that he has invited us into his kingdom through those acts. He has invited you into his kingdom through those acts. He has invited you to be part of what he is doing. Through what he did. God has said, come into my courts. Come and accept who Jesus Christ is and what he did for you. So that you may know me and that you may walk in righteousness. I'm going to leave it there. We've got um, a, a word from Gerda um, that just talks into it. But I want to just challenge us. When, as, I, as I'm leaving it there, I want to challenge us that today is a day that we can reflect and find purpose in him. Today is a day that we can reflect and find life in him. 
Today is a day that we can reflect and be washed by him. And today is a day that we can reflect and be built on, his, on the capstone, making sure that our foundations are firm so that we go into a year that we don't have to wait until whenever it is in 2024 to come back to church and to celebrate this, that we can do all of this for the year to come. Well done, Rich. That was amazing. Don't sit yet. I want you to pray for us. <laughs> so I've been reading through the book of Chronicles for the last couple of weeks. And um, for those of you who know about Chronicles, it's really about just a summary of all the kings and what they've done and the warnings and the warnings and the warnings and the warnings. Come back. Don't don't go off. Don't, don't leave God. Don't come back. You're going to be taken out. Come back. Come back. Just warning after warning after warning and the bad kings and everything they did. And I was at, at the end, I was like, oh, I'm done with that one. Because <laughs> it's quite heavy when you read all the warnings and they don't listen and everything. And, and the warning that came the whole time was, you're going to be taken away as exiles. And then it ends where they are taken away to Babylon by the king of Nebuchadnezzar. And so then I turn the page and I start with the new chapter, Israel. And I'm like, the first heading, the first little thing that it says at the top there. The first group of exiles return to Jerusalem. And as I read it, oh, it ju- I love it when the word just hits you here. Hey, it literally hits me here. And I felt God saying, I always make a way back. Always. I always make a way back. And I was just like, come on guys, just listen. We know these bad things that's going to happen to you. And then it happens anyway. And the very next page, whoop, God makes a way back. And I just felt for us that I love it that we can take a scripture that was written, um, written many years ago and we can apply it to our lives today. And I just felt so often we do this, whoops, maybe we, we've gone a little bit that way or we're not in a close relationship with Jesus like we should be, or we've just made choices that's taken us there, or we've never found home. We've never found the way home to him. We've just, we've been searching and searching and searching, and how do I get there? How do I get there? How do I get there? We just haven't found that way back. I just really felt God saying, today I want you to know this. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what road you're on, no matter how you live, no matter the choices you've made, I'm making a way home for you. Come back. Find that way. And that's what I want to pray for us today. But can you pray that over us? The series is based on a song called There is a Cloud. Surprise. It says, hear the word roaring as thunder with a new future to tell. For the dry season is over, there is a cloud beginning to swell. And then it says, we receive your rain. I wonder if you'd stand. And if you want to respond to this word, um, if you want to receive the rain, you want to receive this king, you respond in the way that you see. We will, the front of the, the, the stage is open for you to come and stand here and declare your love for the king. If you want to be prayed for, there will be elders and deacons here. We're not going to tinkle on the piano. We're not going to sing a song. We're just going to allow the Spirit to do what He does. Because He's saying, there is rain for you. He is saying that there is a way home for you. 
and he's saying that there is a way back for you. So Lord, I do pray that you would do a work where you've already started a work. I pray, Lord Jesus, for your spirit to come. I pray, Lord Jesus, that people would respond to you, Lord Jesus. I pray that if people have never accepted you, never accepted what you did or who you are, Lord Jesus, or who you constantly continue to be forever, I pray, Lord Jesus, that people would see you today, Lord God. I pray that people would respond to you and say, yes, Lord, I want to come home. I want to be able to build with you. I want to be able to walk with you. I want to be able to just experience that love that people speak about, that people understand. And Lord, I just pray that where people have started to build their own things, where they've tried to wash themselves and do things in their own strength, where they've tried to be the power and uh, be their own God, Lord God, that they would see you again, Lord Jesus, and return to your altar and say, Lord Jesus, I want to do this life with you. You are the bread of life. You are the one that sustains. You are the one that guides. You are the one that loves. You are the one that directs. I pray just if that's you standing there, just raise your hands higher. Raise your hands higher to say, King, I'm coming home. I want to do this again. I want to run strong with you, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord Jesus, that there would just be a filling of your spirit and an encouraging, Lord God, that it wouldn't just be about a moment, but it would be about a change, Lord God. The cross wasn't just a little moment. It was a long, enduring day. The grave has had forever consequences on all of us, Lord Jesus. And I pray that we would just see that, that we would respond, that you, your encouragement would come, Lord Jesus, and that we would know that we have victory in you, that we can celebrate your victory today, Lord God, and that we can walk in that victory constantly. In Jesus' name, amen.